Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Thank you so much for joining us online uh, this morning. I'm really excited. We are diving into uh, part two of a series that we started last week on relationships, on relationships. And I, I told you a truth last Sunday. And if you missed the message, I would love for you to join in on us this past week. You can tune in on our podcast, The Glory Podcast, or our website, or even our Facebook page. And you can find that message. I would encourage you to do so. Um, but this morning, we're going to build from it. And I last week about a theme truth that has been transformative in my life, and it was that God uses healthy connections of today to heal the broken connections of yesterday, and I, I realize I, I didn't put the word uses, but he does. He uses healthy connections to heal broken ones. This is the work of our God as iron sharpens iron. God transforms who we are in a most beautiful way by the people around us, and, and honestly, in a real way, God has used countless men and women in my life to reshape who I think I am, to rewire my brain, my thoughts, to rewrite my confidence, where, to rewrite where I think Greg comes from. God has used countless men and women in my life, and maybe I'm in a safe place to say this. I mean, my, my upbringing was good. I had a good, loving family. Maybe they're going to watch this later, and, and that'll be fun. Um, but Though my upbringing was good, I learned at a really young age how many broken connections are made in our life, and uh, maybe I'm in a safe space when hearing this, uh, when you hear this, but I was the black sheep in my family. Any, any other black sheeps in the family? Oh yeah. We were the outcasts. We were the ones who didn't, it didn't make sense. Uh, I was never... I was never understood, it felt like. I was always the one, my brother could laugh his, joke his way out of anything. I just got angry, and so I got more, more in trouble, right? Anyone like that? Uh, my brother just watched him joke his way out of, out of punishment, and I anger my way into it more. And so that was just my childhood. I was the black sheep, and even still to this day, my wife knows this about me. My wife and I, we've been married almost nine years now. And she knows this, um, I have a deep wound of feeling misunderstood. And if you don't understand me, I feel like I cannot be heard, be seen. And that's just a, it's weird. So I like go out of my way to clarify it. Sometimes my wife is like, wrap it up, Greg, we understand. But I, I go out of my way because I, I had this deep worry that people are going to misunderstand me. And if they misunderstand me, then they're going to make conclusions that are not real or valid. And that's a wound made from my childhood. But God has healed it in powerful ways. When I was a sophomore in high school, I came in contact with a, uh, a guy who was an intern in our church, seven years older than me, who thought that I was worthy to be seen, to be noticed. He thought that my, my story mattered. He thought that my voice was, was worth it. And so he took me under his wing. And for three years, I watched as God used that healthy connection to heal so many broken ones. He saw me. He heard me. He thought I was worthy to be listened to. And so today, I will tell you, I see people. I see people. I notice the outcast. 
And maybe you are an outcast and you stepped in and you felt instantly like home. It's because I see people. But listen, it's not because of the pendulum swing. Often we like to think like, I'm never going to parent like my parents did, right? I'm going to love them. And it's like this, this uh, pendulum swing, I'm going to do what they didn't or I'm not going to do what they did. And the enemy would love to use that because it's like out of arrogance that we do it now. Or it's out of this like bitterness that we bring it. No, I don't see people today because I wasn't seen. I see people because a, a guy who was seven years older than me thought that I was worthy to be heard and he formed a safe space for me and other guys. And I learned the grace of Jesus. I see people today because I was seen. And that's what we're talking about this morning. I'm so excited to dive into it with you. Healthy connections heal broken connections. And I want to speak that health, that healing into your life this morning. And so I told you, if you, if you were with us last week, I told you at the very end of the message, a, a little formula. Do you remember, those of you who, who, are ta- who are note takers, you remember the little formula that we said, I have no time today to get into it a lot, all right? But we will, you will read it up here again. I encourage you to listen to that message. But the formula I gave so that you could start a healthy connection right now is this, that you can do, have godly expectations plus godly discernment equals a healthy connection. And I told you last week how that has nothing to do with other people. That is why uh, Paul can say that we can love our enemies. Why? Because it matters nothing to do with them. Like it matters not what they do to me or how they treat me because I can have a godly expectation. I can have godly discernment and I can make a healthy connection with them. And so I don't have time to dive into that, but what we are going to look at is this top word, expectation. Because as we get into this, if we are going to truly allow healthy connection to come, then we need to let this word expectation sit and fester and realize how nasty some of our expectations are and how wrong they are so that we can allow God to transform them. Because I told you last week that godly expectations demand some godly perspective, some godly definitions, some new hope, new, new, new vision, new sight. And I told you last week that new things demand a new set of expectations, new things. In fact, when scripture, when God says, hey, Israel, I'm doing a new thing, the most damaging thing that Israel could do into this new thing God is wanting to bring to them is the expectation of what he did or didn't do yesterday. And that's so damaging. So as we get into this this morning, I will tell you, those of you who are married, God wants to do a new thing in your marriage. Those of you who, who have a relationship with a parent that you're trying to redeem, he's, he's going to do a new thing. Those of you who want friends, and you want friends that really matter and walk with you through the trenches, or others of you, you're like, I just started this dating relationship and it's new. Well, guess what? If God is going to do something new in it, then we have to allow our expectations to be new as well. We have to allow, another, thing, another way that I can say it is, it is a hard to expect new. It's hard to expect new when we're still hardened by the old. I could say calloused by the old, boxed in by the old. You will never see the beauty of what is outside the box of your expectations if you don't realize <laughs> that he's called you out of it. 
that he has redeemed you, set you apart for a purpose. And so this is really hard. If we're going to sit in with godly expectations, we have to say, all right, are there old things that I'm calloused by? Are there old things that I'm hardened by? Are there old things in my life that I am boxed in, that I have put parameters on what people can be for me or what people can't be for me or what God can do in a relationship? Some of you, the most damaging thing that you can do in a church is already have expectations of what this church will do for you or what your part is in the church. No, God's doing a new thing. And so you have a new thing to expect. And so let him be in awe of him. Let him dramatically shake those expectations. And we're going to get into it this morning because uh, if you will do me the honor, we're going to sort of do like a a counseling session. I love this. Uh, We're going to do a little bit of a counseling session this morning where we are going to be talking about backwards. Then we're going to move a little bit forwards. And then we're going to see how we can move beyond. So literally, if we are going to over, be overcome by the, the grace of Jesus and realize how we're hardened, we're going to have to both look behind us, look deep inside of us, and then say, okay, Jesus, how do I move on from this? How do I move on from this? The Apostle Paul, to almost every church, you want to look up his countless letters, I mean, the, to the Romans, to the Ephesians, to the church in, in uh, Galatia, to the, to the Colossian church, to the Corinthian church, to all of the churches, the Philippians, he has this like pivotal moment where he reminds them of who they were, how the Galatians act. You, you remember your former ways when you, were, when you were stuck in that pattern, when you were in that cycle? Do you remember how you used to act with all the fleshly desires and all the, the fallacies and all the lies? Do you remember when you responded to people just like they respond? you remember when you were slapped and you slapped back? Do you remember all of these things? Paul constantly, in his own words to every church, says, hey, do you remember that? And then he has this like line in the sand statement, and most of the time it's a but now, but now you have been new. And so we renew our mind. And so we're going to do this little thing today. We're going to remember, and then we're going to stress a button now. All right? And this button now is huge as we move forward because if you don't state the but now in your day, you're just going to remember and remember and remember and apply and apply, and God isn't going to be seen but now happened. If you're a believer in the room, but now happened. So I have three things. I'm going to give them to you right at the beginning of what we're doing this morning. Those of you who love to take notes, this is where we're going. So you know when I get to that point, I'm, I'm almost done. All right. So here it is. We're going to talk this morning about how it was. We're going to talk about how it wounded. And we're going to talk about how it works. These three things, and then we're wrapping it up. How it was, how it wounded, and how it works. And as we get into this, this is a both past tense, how it was. Past tense, how it wounded. And then present tense, how it works. Because I need you to know the hope in that last statement. Because in the, by the grace of God, how it was in my life, how I was wounded in my life, is worked together for the good of my good and God's glory, how it works. Can I just speak that hope into you? Some of you need to realize that, that just as the Apostle Paul in Romans 5, some of you need to read that this week, Romans 5. It is really beautiful. Paul talks about how only by the grace of Jesus does our suffering produce things. 
I think we can all agree that how it was had some suffering. My mom passed away. I mean, how it was, it talks about that. How it wounded has some suffering, right? Behind us is some suffering. But only in Christ Jesus, Paul says, does your suffering produce. In fact, he says, your suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Did you know only in Christ does suffering produce something better than suffering? I mean, look at the world around you. Wounded people wound people. Broken people break people. Hurt people hurt people. Suffering brings more suffering. But by the grace of God, it works. It works. And so I just want to stress that because we're going to talk about some heavy things. We're going to talk about some heavy things, but only by the grace of God. And I, I will tell you, some of you have been on the outside of this faith thing for far too long. A goal that we have at Glory Church, I'll just stress it right here, a goal that we have for Glory Church in our short time here in this space while we pray for what is next is that 11 people come to know the love of our Savior. 11 people, I'm praying, come to know Christ. Some of you, you need to realize that you can take what I say this morning as good things, guides to maybe live out, but that's going to be self-help. And self-help will only lead into self-reliance. It'll only lead into self-glory. It'll only lead into self-trust. And self-anything is the worst thing for a relationship. Like, hands down, self-anything will single-handedly destroy a couple. And so, we got to realize how it was and how it wounded only works by the love of God. It only works by the grace of Jesus. So, we're getting into this because my God works all things for the good of those who love him and are according to his purpose, right? So, he's working all things. So, we're getting into this, how it was. Are you ready? How it was. When I say how it was... In a counseling session, and I wish we were, it could just be me and you, right? But now it's me, you, 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 and you, and you guys too. And so as we get into this, how it was is really powerful because how it was is just the matter-of-fact statement. And I think some of us have a really hard time just explaining how it was because it was just how it was. But it's so important How it was has nothing to do with bad. It has nothing to do with good. It's just the matter-of-fact statements of what was behind us. And I'll tell you, that is very important to claim in your day because um, as you start a relationship, I need you to know how it was is never how it was for them. How it was for you is never how it was for the friend that you take for granted. And the reason you take them for granted is because you put on your was to their was. How it was is never how it is and how it was for the spouse that you're hoping you you stay the next 50 years with. And so how it was is important. My wife and I, we grew up in the same town. We are have the same ethnicity. We grew up in the same church, in the same place, in the same beliefs, in the same background. But how mine was is dramatically different than how Kate's was. And so the worst thing we can do is just act like that wasn't there. No, Paul says, remember the former ways. I need you to understand how you were, how it was for you. It's really important because if you want to take a note, how it was informs our shoulds, our shoulds. Now, I need you to write the, uh, I had a, a uh, professor in high school, a uh, professor in high school who used to tell us that, uh, high school, college, sorry, um, who used to tell us that the most damaging thing we could do to our personal growth in Jesus the most damaging thing we can do in our relationships 
is when we start shoulding on everything. Like, when we start shoulding on everything. Yes, I, I have the S-H-O-U-L-D, all right? I'm, I'm making sure I'm, I'm right the same thing. But we should on everything. It's when you say, I should be better. I should know this. I should not be dealing with this anymore. They should be over that. They should love me. Should they? All right, they should, like, really, they shouldn't be mad. I shouldn't be mad, but I am. I shouldn't feel this way. And we start shooting on everything. How it was informs how it should be or what it shouldn't be because how it was hurt me. And so I'm never going to put myself in that position again. So it should never be that again. Your shoulds will hurt people if we don't understand how it was. So let's get into this a little bit. Um, it provides this little framework for us. Maybe some of you could say, and this is the hardest part because I wish I could just singleize it, you know, like just talk to Ben and then we could get into what it was like for Ben. But now I just got to say blanket statements. Some of you, your was is that your, ne- your family never spoke about real problems. For some of you, how it was is that your parents, anything that happened in their marriage stayed in their marriage. So literally you didn't know. And then all of a sudden the divorce card was played and you were like, I didn't know. Where did this come from? How it was in your family, maybe your parents were pretty reclusive. How it was, maybe your dad was always working and there was this huge stress on working and you saw your mom take ownership of many things. And maybe for your family, how it was, was they were very physically comforting. And so when you were sad, they held you. When, you, when your mom was sad, you saw your dad hold her. It, they were very physically, sometimes it's the opposite. Your family, you knew they cared about you, but they never once said it. But you knew, because just, you just knew. For others of you, uh, you knew very clearly that, that they cared about other things more than you. If we have all of these. How it was is really important for us to get into. Some of you, your parents were really strict. From birth, you knew exactly what was wrong and what was right. And in that was, you figured out how to be on good terms in your home by just speaking the right And see, how it was is very important because on all of those statements that I made, some of you, you saw that your parents were Christians, but they did very little at church. And you wonder why you have a hard time getting involved in church, but it's okay. How it was really informs what it is for us. In fact, all of those have some shoulds attached. My family never talked about problems. And so I shouldn't be feeling these problems because I never saw my parents struggle with problems. So I shouldn't have these feelings, shouldn't be struggling right now. Or when I struggle, I shouldn't need anyone else. Or I should need, where are the people at? Or or you're going to start getting into relationships. And when the guy is working a little too much on a project and your family, the dad worked a lot, you're now thinking he shouldn't be working so much. And you have all of these shoulds that are based off how it was and it really hurts things. In fact, for some of you, when you cry, they should comfort you. But they're thinking, I should give them space. But a wound is made, he never spoke of it because the should has informed how you do. Others of you, you want space and they keep invading it. They should leave me alone. That's my wife. I'm like, hon, let's just talk about it. Let's just talk about it. I need you to leave. No, let's just talk about it. Can we talk about it, please? You should leave me alone. 
But I should be there for you. You can be there for me by leaving me alone. You see, what happens when we start having conversations is you figure out what was and you know how to work it by the grace of God. But we don't talk about what was. I was talking to some staff this week uh, (laughs) and I talked about how we create an alternate version of ourself by what was. We create alternate versions of ourself. If you grew up like me, uh, I never felt understood at home, so I knew the version of me that would be safe at home. Some of you, you uh, talked, your family only talked about the good, the things that you were doing right. And so you really quickly understood that the, the real you who doesn't always do right things may not be welcomed at home as much as the good you is. And so you created a homebody and a friend person, right? Like you created dual versions of yourself, and we do this all the time. But what we don't realize is if you had a hard time being yourself at home as a child, that doesn't just naturally grow up, grow out of you when you are with a family as an adult. That has informed how you act. And for some of you, you still expect people to want the best out of you. And so what happens is this. Your wife, or we could say your husband, is really struggling with fear really struggling with fear, feels alone in it. But because you created alternate versions of yourself and you showed people the good and left the bad, you've literally created this dichotomy and she only sees the strong you. The worst thing you could do in a relationship is to not bring the dual, the the real person. But we've created alternate versions based off what was and it creates new wounds in the now. It's so powerful, so crazy. So can I just ask this question? How has what was hurt or limited what is for you? How has what was, how has? Some of you, you realize you take people for granted because of what was. You expect people to do things that they shouldn't do because of what was. You, you don't expect them to show up. And you limit what God can do through them because of what was. It's so powerful, the work of the enemy, when he creates these expectations, these assumptions, these, these, blo- these boxed-in perceptions of what we think life should be like. But the Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians 4, and he says, you were taught, if you're a believer, you were taught to put away that former life. So here we go. We got the how it was. Do you remember when you were all of these things, how it was? You were taught by the grace of God to put away the former life, the old self that was corrupted and diluted by its ways, and you were taught to be renewed. Do you remember we talked about that last week, Romans 12, renew your mind. You're not going to be calloused by the ways of the world, but you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and clothe yourself with a new self, created according to the likeness of God and true righteousness, holiness. And so this is literally saying, I will look forward to get my new definitions. I will look forward to get my new perspective. I will look forward to get my expectations from you, God, because the most damaging thing I can do for my wife is to expect her to act like she did yesterday. But do you you realize, that's the worst thing we can do to forgiveness. Like my wife has changed by the grace of God. He molds her. But if I expect Kate to be the same Kate as yesterday, I downgrade now the work of my Savior 
What was hurts what is if we let it. Every one of your relationships are like this. Believe that the same God that is inside of you is inside of other people. All right, molding and shaping and be present for it. So what needs to be left behind? Because what was needs to stay back there. It needs to inform the grace of God and how he's shaped you, but it needs to stay back there. But we got another thing, right? Because it's not just how it was, the matter of fact, it's also how it wounded. How it wounded. How wounded. I wrote some things down. Did you realize that the wounds of your past, they shape your desires? I need, like, this is the point when the abused child still seeks the people who will continue to abuse them. Because wounds shape your desires. Or you desire the opposite and don't know how to word it. It shapes your desires. Wounds shape your worries. Wounds shape your fears. Wounds shape your wants. Wounds, they shape your ideas of what you need or what you don't need. It's interesting. Wounds shape what you think you deserve. And it's on two, two extremes. Some of you, your wound makes you think that you don't deserve love. Others of you, your wound, the enemy has spoke it to narcissism and you keep leaving behind everyone because they don't set up to your expectations and you deserve better. Both of them are coming from your wounds, not healing, but you think you expect better and so when they mistreat you, guess what? That's just how the world is. That's how people who are processing work. But this wound will say, I deserve better, so I'm out. I'm out. And you respond by your wounds versus your faith. And so I will tell you, when it comes to wounds and healing them, we have to, we have to call out this word, our overcompensation. That's a big one, but we have to call out overcompensation. If you are a physical therapist, um, we, got, we got some in the, in the room, right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Leighton goes. Uh, if you're a physical therapist, this is the worst thing. If you want someone to heal, they're going to have to not overcompensate. Because if, if you're trying to heal from a broken leg and now they're trying, or an accident, and, and they destroyed this whole side of their leg and they're finally learning to walk again, the worst thing they can do for healing is overcompensation. In fact, think about it. You, overcompensation is your body's work of trying to act like it's healed before it is. And so what happens when you overcompensate is you put more pressure and force on something that wasn't made to hold it. And so an overcompensation for that scenario is like a bad hip. You get your bad back. Why? Because this area was not, <laughs> this area was not meant to care for all of that weight. And we have dozens of wounds that we've overcompensated for. We've tried to walk like they're not there. We've put force onto places that do, are not strong enough to support that force. And it has created some things in us that have now wounded other people, wound ourselves, and we just end this cycle of overcompensating wounds. Now, if you Google that word, overcompensation, it literally says that overcompensation prevents us from addressing the main issue while creating this falsehood of health. And so I bet your bottom dollar that every single one of your wounds have an overcompensation 
that you like to push, you don't even realize we do it, to show this, this falsehood of health. And that falsehood of health will be like a wildfire in your friendships, in your relationships, in your parents, like with, with your family. And so we have to realize what is the overcompensation? If we're honest, like there are so many things about our childhood. Some of you have had wounds of abuse, wounds of neglect. Some of you have had wounds of shame, wounds of domination, which just, that's a weird word, but that just means that you always felt like you were under the control of another. Some of you, you have wounds of exploitation. And this one is not just a sexual exploitation, but exploitation is any time a child has, has been treated greater or elevated like they shouldn't. And so this could be when you were parenting your parent. That's a wound of exploitation. When you were, we were, you were expected to have more responsibility than you should, that's a wound of exploitation. Some of you have been wounded with betrayal or guilt or rejection or abandonment or neglect or being overlooked or misunderstood. In every single one of those wounds, the enemy wants you to give some of them to God, but to overcompensate, do your part to fix the other ones, the other parts. And I will tell you, when we get into relationships, that is the worst thing we can bring in with people, is our overcompensated wounds. In fact, this is how it sort of plays out. Uh, those of you who, who maybe you were abused or you were, you were rejected, sometimes you put on this overcompensation of strength or confidence or poise. Some of you put on this overcompensation of, of, of feeling like you have all the answers or you want to be that or you have control or you want more responsibilities. And this overcompensation really hurts for some of you. This is me. Some of you, an overcompensation tool is vulnerability. And you should hear this. I didn't realize this at a young age. Uh, and I'm still tr struggling to do this. We overcompensate our wounds sometimes by being really vulnerable because the vulnerable person can choose how vulnerable they are. Think about it. I could say the statement, my mom passed away when I was in high school. And I can say that statement and you're like, wow, Greg, you're so vulnerable. Thank you for sharing that. But guess what? The enemy's like, thank you for sharing that. Because that's not the wound. That's me overcompensating with facts so that I don't have to deal with the wound. And we do this a lot. We vulnerably share, but to the extent that we still feel comfortable because it masks what we really feel. And so we do this all the time, overcompensation. And what really happens then is I don't let people in. And I don't get healed from the past wounds because I don't let people in. Because it's not about the facts, it's about what happened to me because of the facts and how I felt and the darkness that I went in and then how God healed and how he shaped and brought and all of that is just sometimes too much to speak of. And yet I wonder why I feel so isolated sometimes, misunderstood, we can say, right? Wounds, they're, they're a nasty thing. Some of you, you, uh, you have a wound of rejection in your past and so guess what? You always like to throw out the hurtful thing before someone else. Because if you hurt them first, then it's a less pain for you when they speak it back. In a, in a wound of rejection, the overcompensation is I'm out before they say the out because I don't want to feel that anymore because I want to be in control of it. And overcompensation sometimes is deep-rooted selfishness. And I need you to realize this. The enemy likes to say, 
say this. I will never let someone treat me like that again. I will never be put in that place again. And we say, the, and these are good things, but listen, I will, I will protect myself. I deserve better. I won't let that happen again. And as we speak these kind of phrases without healing ever happening, what ends up happening is we get this deep-rooted selfishness that makes it all of our wounds, everything about it, all of our relationships are now about ourselves. And it's an overcompensation because we don't want to be hurt, but we want to obey ourselves. And it's all about me. And so then, guys, and this is a nasty one, this happens all the time. It happens all the time. Now I don't want anyone to hurt me. And so it's about me. And guess what? People are just going to hurt you. And sometimes the most healthy people in your life are going to hurt you. And you can't just say, I'm out or I don't deserve this. No, like we deserve, you deserve so much better, but the enemy has twisted and used it as a wound that you overcompensate from and you bail, you harden, you're not seen, you have narcissistic tendencies. It's all about you in the room. But can I tell you what we have to realize is, is he's renewing us. I will no longer let my wounds be a soil for more pain. We have to like verbally say that to ourselves. I will no longer let my wounds be the soil for more pain. I won't let it. I won't happen because the enemy works overtime to make this true. And I need you to understand this. The enemy loves to move the oppressed and to becoming the oppressor. And this is throughout the Bible. Oppressed Israel becomes very mean and very derogatory. This is why, honestly, I, uh, we're watching The Chosen. I don't know why I hit that so hard. I'm getting into this. This is We're watching The Chosen TV show, and you, and you start realizing and wondering why the Jews could get so angry at Jesus because he wasn't their king. And it's because they expected all of the oppression that they felt for so long, they expected Jesus to come and rewrite it and make the Romans oppressed. And they wanted to become the oppressor because that's where power is. And we do it all the time. Think of the little boy who was made fun of for his size all his life. And then he started getting fit. And once he started getting fit, he started thinking, I've arrived. And in his mind, he started deeming and getting the characteristics that he thought were worthy to be loved, worthy to be beautiful. But guess what hasn't happened? The heart of the little fat boy, where he now looks back and says, that it disgusts me. In fact, what happens now is he looks with disgust of everyone who hasn't had the aha moment of health that he did. Because really quickly, the enemy loves to move the oppressed into becoming pressers. This is why we have girls who are just so mean to other girls. A half of the population that has been oppressed for generations, generations. And finally, feminism happens, but we, and, and you see this, this, but then they start derogatory, demeaning one another. It's because the oppressed want to become the oppressor. Sometimes you girls, you need a sisterhood. And the most damaging thing you can do to one another is, is push, make fun of, isolate, put hierarchies. But we do this when we were oppressed. It's interesting. On our own, on their own, wounds will wound. Wounds will wound. That's why you still, when you feel like you're getting backed into the corner, you lash out in the same way that you were lashed out at. Because the oppressed become the oppressor. That's why to my daughter, Trey, if you know her, she's like literally me with blonde hair and short. Like, it's so bad. But I will misunderstand her. 
And I, I, I oppress her like I was oppressed. And it's so sad. Like this literally happened so many times. She, just like me, our minds work different. And so I'm spiraling here and I get to Z really quickly. And you don't know how A, B, C, D, E happened, but you're responding now to Z as if A, B, C, D was very different. And so my daughter, the kids were asking for cookies one day, two cookies. You can't have two cookies. Sorry, you just can't. We're having one cookie, you take it to school. And then still, there's like an issue happening. And then she comes back and she's like, but dad, can I have two cookies? And I lost it. I'm like, no, if you have two cookies, other people can't. Why are you making this about? And she just started crying. And she said, I wanted two cookies so I could give one to my teacher. And I misunderstood her. Because when we like to put assumptions on people, we misunderstand. And I'm instantly the oppressor of the way that I was oppressed as a child. And I'm like, oh, there. Our wounds wound. But can I tell you something very beautiful? This is something that is rewritten by the glory of God. He, I don't know if you, this may be too deep for some of you, but it's so pretty. Uh, so, did you know, there's a prophecy in Isaiah that by his wounds, we would be healed. There's this rewritten prophecy that changes wounds, wound, wounds, wound, wounds, wound. This is all humanity, wounds, wound. And they bring about more wound. But by Jesus's wounds, Something was rewritten for all of humanity that now healing can happen. And so we don't look to our wounds, we look to his. We don't look to our wounds, we look to his. And what that does is it literally changes and I follow in the suit of my Savior. And now I, my wounds can bring healing. Like, it's so powerful. It's so beautiful because I'm not letting my wounds dictate my actions. When I look to my Savior on the cross, I start realizing every bit of pain from my past, he doesn't just bring for his good, but he now brings for the good of those around him. And so, guys, you have been made more like Christ by the healing effects of him through my wounds. This is what you now offer to other people. We follow in the suit of our Savior that by my wounds, healing can now happen. But only when we realize this, only when we realize, so let's end this morning with how it works. Talk about how it was. Talk about how it wounded. Can we talk about how it works? How it works. We're going to get very practical. I just have two things for you and we're calling it a done because this is how it works. And I will tell you, they're going to sound very rudimentary, all right? But if you want them to work, this is how. And so the first one, I, I have this like, because our past, how it was, how it wounded, God wants to use for his glory, this is the way. Write this down. If my past is to be used by God, it must be spoken by me. And you're like, okay, where was the aha moment in that? Just write it down. It must be spoken. You don't realize this, but the apostle Paul, he had a whole lot of was behind him. He's a murderer. He was hateful. He had hate crimes after hate crimes. But guess what he did constantly to the authority figures in Acts? Guess what he did to the the Sanhedrin when they asked him? Guess what he did to all of the juries, all the people, all of the people who he was writing to? He spoke what was for him. 
constantly. And he tells them, I, I boast all the more in my weaknesses so that Christ may be seen. You wonder why your relationships are not growing. It's because you keep isolated what was. You keep quiet how it wounded. And the best way for it to be used by God is for it to be spoken to people. Share the story of your faith with those around you, the what was and how it is, how it is. And that may sound so simple, but can I open up to Revelation 12? This is a prophecy of, and when it says the word they, it means us, because this is a prophecy of what will be. It says, they overcome. They overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They overcame the enemy. Do you know you, as, like your marriage, can overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb, and that's the whole, by his wounds I am healed, and the word of their stories, the word of their testimony, how God changed what was into something new today. You wonder why overcoming aspects are not happening in your relationships. It's because you might be relying on the, the blood of Jesus, which is great, but that's just one part of this. Now you overcome by the word of your testimony, by you speaking your story. And so what does this look like very practically? It means like when a wound is pushed, you talk it out. Something that we learned, we, uh, my wife and I, I think, uh, Brandon and Olivia went to this little conference. It was, it was interesting. It was good. But they said this. Um, this is one big thing that I took away. Um, one thing that you can write down is this. The story that I am telling myself is dot, dot, dot. This is how you tell your testimony. Because what you're, you need to know in your relationships, conflict 101. The worst thing you can do is start talking about all the things that they've done. Can I just tell you, people shut down when you talk about the bad things that they've done? Like, hands down, it's just happened. Stop it. All right? We're not talking about them right now. We're talking about sharing your story. So what you do is the story that I'm telling myself, and this is friendships, this is anything. I'll tell you, the story that I'm telling myself is when, like, I'm crying and you leave the room that you care less about me than you say you do. And then my wife can be like, I'm sorry, Greg. I just been giving you space. I saw that in my parents. Like, I'm sorry, I will, be, I will be more present. I will ask you how you are. What do I do? Because when you start saying the story that I'm telling myself is, you start commenting. You start conversing. And then she can tell the story that I'm telling myself is when you spend way too much time at work. And this was in, when I was a youth pastor. You care way more about ministry than you do your family. The story that I'm telling myself is that you care way more about other people than you do us. And now she's not saying that I do. She's saying it's a story that she's telling herself because now it's a conversation that we can have. And I can see the val like how valid she is in some ways. But that's when healing happens. Another way that you could say it is the lie that I'm believing right now is, the lie that I'm believing right now is, when the Apostle Paul tells the Ephesians, thank you, Gabby. When the Apostle Paul tells the Ephesians, to be renewed in their mind. He tells them all these whole hosts of things, but one of them is to put away falsehood, to speak the truth. And sometimes the most truthful thing you can do in a relationship is tell the lie that you're believing. The story that I'm telling myself, the lie that I'm believing is this. And then the second thing that I had for you, so it's not just if, if my past is gonna be used by God, but it's also a dual thing. 
need you to write down that if their past is to be used by God, then it must be known by me. And this is dual thing. The person next to you, if their past is going to be used by God, it needs to be known by you. And this is the responsibility that hands down you have as a believer in Christ is to know people. Is to know people. My wife and I, on our uh, keys to our marriage, the word learning is huge because the most damaging thing you can do in growth is to think that you know someone fully. But if we claim to be learners of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus just means that you learn from him. You, you know what I mean? Like you're learning about Jesus as you follow him. Do you realize that Jesus is the head of the body? That means to know the person Jesus, you got to move from his head down to the neck, the shoulders. You need to know the body, which means you guys are the body. If you want to know Jesus, you got to know others. That's when he means when uh, carry one another's burdens. You can't carry what you don't know. Well, how am I supposed to carry you? You look at them. You can tell when someone's carrying a burden. Not only that, you're taking, it, taking out of the account that you have the Holy Spirit in you. Who gives you discernment? You're so selfish. I'm so selfish. No, if their past is to be used by God, then I'm, it must be known by me. That's why he says, serve them, love people, wash their feet, get into the dirt of where they walked. Now get into the dirt of where they walked. And I will say as we close, it's powerful if um, you know anything about the TV shows when there's like a wealthy family. Who is the person in a wealthy household that knows everything about the family? The maids. The maids. The servants. Stop being all about you. In a relationship, if your past is going to be used, it must be spoken by you. But in a relationship, if their past is to be used, it must be known by you. Which means you probably are not on your feet washing the crud from their, foot, their feet. You're not on your knees washing the crud from their feet. The maids, the servants, know the dish on the household. Maybe it's about time you serve one another. I think that's biblical, right? That he would get the glory in it. God, I pray right now that we would realize that our was, our wounds can be worked for your good, your glory, the good of us, the healing of others. God, if we would only realize again and again and again that, that my story does matter. And so God, if my past is to be used by you, it must be known by others. It must be spoken so God, give me the confidence to speak it to others, to invest, to go into the trenches of my wounds. And God, I pray that I can be a servant to those around me, a learner. That if I'm true to truly know my God, I will need to learn his people, to serve them. God, I pray that healthy connections heal broken ones in the process. All to your glory. We pray this. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. 
For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.